Hey mamas, have you ever looked at the back of your prenatal vitamin and wondered if you were truly getting everything you need? I know I didn't when I was pregnant. Well today, I want to share with you the number one prenatal I suggest to all my doula clients, friends, family, and you, women of strength. It's by a company called Needed. I honestly don't think I was the only one that didn't really understand just how important certain nutrients were for myself or my growing baby. And that is why I love Needed. They have gone above and beyond to create solid products, not only that have the key nutrients, but will also have the optimal amount. Don't be overwhelmed picking a prenatal. Check out all of Needed's products, including their prenatals, pre-probiotics, immune support, and more at thisisneeded.com. Enjoy 20% off by using code VBAC20. Hello, hello, women of strength. It is Wednesday, and we have another great episode for you. Normally, we have feedback stories, but today we are going to be chatting about a lot of topics. Actually, we have our friend Sarah, and she is actually a VBAC mom, and she has been on the podcast before. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to have this discussion and have this episode because it's something that truly we need to remember. And I love sharing all the VBAC stories. Of course, that's what this podcast is about. But it's also really good to get education and empowerment through other episodes. So um, we are going to get into this episode after I share the review of the week. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about our friend Sarah. This review is by Spicy Hot Curry. <laughs> I love that name. That's fun. It says the best education for all pregnant mamas. And I just love that so much because really... I mean, Sarah, would you agree? This podcast, obviously, we talk about VBAC stories and how to empower people to make the best choice for them after cesarean, but this really could be a podcast for all pregnant moms. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Yes. Like we share so many tips. It's something that I wish that I had when I was, you know, pregnant preparing for my VBAC or even, you know, even if I didn't know if I wanted a VBAC this would be a great podcast to listen to to see what options were out there and then even what led to cesarean so I could learn how to avoid them. So I love that topic. She says, after one unmedicated hospital birth and one medicated hospital birth, my third birth ended in a physically and emotionally traumatic emergency cesarean. The VBAC Link podcast started soon after I listened to them for over a year before getting pregnant. This podcast has made me laugh and cry and giving me so much knowledge I didn't have even after three births and working in the postpartum unit at the hospital. This po- podcast has made me so excited for my VBAC in November. It says, thank you, Julian Megan. And this was back in 2020. So spicy hot curry. If you have your story to share, I would love to know. Contact us at info at the VBAClink.com. And if you haven't left a review yet, we would love your review always. Anywhere you want to leave a review, Apple Podcasts, Google, you can email us, wherever it may be, we would love your review. You are tuned into the VBAC Link Podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. Along with this podcast, the VBAC Link offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. 
The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan. Okay, Sarah, welcome. I'm just giddy to talk to you about birth today. <laughs> I am giddy to have you here to talk about birth. And um, I don't want to like share your story. I want to let you kind of share your story, but I do want to kind of tell everybody who you are. You are an amazing person, an amazing individual. And you, let's see, so you're a mom, of course. You're a mom of three now. Three boys. Yes, boy mama. Um, a birth coach, um, an educational coach, a doula as well, which, I mean, you guys, I'm just going to like point out that Utah is amazing. Just saying, if you're in Utah and you're listening, we are spoiled, but um, we've got some good doulas here. And then let's see what else. Oh, then you're the founder of Made Mindful, right? That's Made right. Mindful. Okay. Tell us more. Tell us more about that. Made Mindful came out of all of our experiences, myself and my two sisters with the different births that we have experienced together. We and wanted Car- Carly, Carly and-, and Christina. Christina. Yes. Carly and Christina. I That's love right. your sisters too. It's so cool. And we, we have our website, Birth Made Mindful, and just we want to encourage women and families to empower themselves with education, with positivity, and most importantly, just believing that they yes. have the strength within themselves to create the birth of their dreams. Absolutely. I love that. And it's so hard sometimes because it's so overwhelming. There's so much going on and we're getting so many opinions coming from all of the other places to know. And you hear things like, well, I wanted to do that, but my body couldn't and this, but I couldn't, but this, but I couldn't. And so then we start doubting ourselves even like, well, can I, can I do that? Is that possible? Don't you feel like that is happening all over the place? It is. It's just an overwhelmingly amount of information that we have to sort through. and. I think that that also adds confusion when when we can look inside of ourselves, we can find out really what matters most importantly to our families mm-hmm. and to us as as mothers and blossoming mothers if we're a first timer, just yes. knowing knowing what our options are, knowing some of the medical, you know, events that could take place with birth and then being able to be in tune with ourselves and our bodies to know kind of how to proceed. Absolutely. And you have experienced very different experiences. Do you want to share just a little bit more about your experiences and what truly led you here? I would love to. So my first son was five years ago, his birth, and my water broke prematurely. I wasn't in labor. And so after about 40 hours at the hospital, we had a cesarean section. And it wasn't an emergency at that time, but he was sunny side up. And so I just wasn't having meaningful dilation Mm -hmm. and his cesarean was necessary. But after that experience, I started looking back and just thinking, I want to have a vaginal birth for my next birth. You know, I just didn't want to kind of be in the pain and have the recovery and some of the, you know, some of the problems that stem with, with a abdominal surgery right after birth. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I prepared a lot. I listened to your podcast. I just researched as much as I could when I was pregnant for my second son. Mm -hmm. And it was right around COVID. His due date was March 20th, 2020. And so about three days before his due date, my obstetrician, 
she let me know that she could no longer support me in a vaginal delivery. And I share that entire story in episode 132. So if you haven't had a chance to listen, it was just a remarkable story. I think it was mainly because of COVID, you know, the hospital had updated their policies that all of the women in queue for delivery that week and that month would either need to have an early induction or a repeat Mm -hmm. C-section that they just, they weren't going to be able to support VBACs. But because I had armed myself with knowledge, I had gotten myself a doula. I just felt like that wasn't the route that I wanted to go. I wanted to allow my body at least the chance Mm -hmm. for my first VBAC. I know that, you know, a lot of women, even after having multiple cesareans, will attempt to VBAC, but your chances of getting support in the medical system are a lot stronger the first time. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that this was my window. And I was actually able to find a midwife who took me on. So this is just a couple days before he's born. And I ended up having a beautiful redemptive VBAC at a birthing center. And it wasn't a short labor. He was actually also in a sunny side up position. So it was about 30 hours. And, you know, my wonderful supportive midwife, you know, she confirmed if you would have been in a hospital, they would have done another C-section, you know, just the Mm -hmm. amount of time it took you to dilate again with being sunny side up and, you know, all those twists and turns of our labor. But we did have a VBAC and and it was amazing. Just like the feelings, the emotions, all of the energy that I felt. I mm. literally wasn't tired for, you know, three days after his birth because all of those chemicals were just appropriately working with, within my body. I was able to breastfeed and latch in a much easier way with that child. And so I knew that I wanted to start sharing my story and offer encouragement mm. to other women. And so in between his birth and then the birth of my next son, which was about two years later, is when uh, my sisters and I kind of put our knowledge together and created digital courses. We created affirmation cards and just decided that we were going to try to start sharing our message with all of our sisters and our community so that they could have, um, you know, great experiences in their birth. Um, For my third son, We actually delivered with that same midwife, but I opted for a home birth. And the reason why I wanted to have him at home was mainly because of tracking contractions. There's always that question, when do I go to the hospital? Am I too Mm -hmm. early? Am I too late? You know, like if you show up and you're only three or four centimeters dilated, are you then kind of a burden on your, your medical staff and they're starting the clock if you're in the hospital? And so I thought, you know, I wonder if I was just at home, if my body would relax enough that that just, there wouldn't be any like halting from my body. I just said, it doesn't matter how long it takes, you know, like I'm prepared to labor as long as this baby needs. I also um, had made peace with the fact that if we needed to transfer to a hospital, that I would not feel like a failure. I would approach that with the the understanding that I was going to the the hospital and and utilizing the tools and the help that I might need if we did need a transfer. Because a lot of people are afraid of what a home birth means if there's a transfer. And most of the time, mm-hmm. it's not an emergency if yeah. there's a transfer that's needed. Yeah. Like really, most of the time it's, it's due to maybe we've got a hang up and there are resources at a hospital that aren't at home anymore. Or we've exhausted our resources. Like maybe there is a little bit of Pitocin that's needed you know, and I, I see needed, but like that is something that could help. 
and we've exhausted breast pumping your breast you know stimulation with the breast pump or whatever or maybe this it's just been a really really long labor and we're just tired and that epidural is something that really can help us actually have that out you know that final outcome that we were looking for just going to be in a different place but it's it's rarely an emergency and it's okay it is okay to transfer it's okay to make that choice no failing comes or giving up is you know to get like they don't go together there's no exactly failing. just because you change plans doesn't mean there's a failing in process yeah that terminology is so tricky when people consider a transfer from your home as a failure mm -hmm. but most women just choose to transfer to the hospital before they plan to you know push their mm -hmm. baby out so his mm -hmm. birth was remarkable it was a few days after his due date again so i had started feeling you know, a little bit anxious about when he would come. And I decided that I needed to release all of that. I went swimming and I just told him, you know, like, I know that you're safe, but I also want you to come as soon as you're ready. And mm -hmm. my labor started that night. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I could sense that the contractions were ramping up, but I wanted to rest as much as possible. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have the mindset that I needed to walk around or be upright because with my prior births, it had taken me a full day and I didn't want to feel exhausted myself. Mm -hmm. So about one in the morning, I went to the guest room. So I wasn't waking up my husband. And I just kind of tried to sleep in between my contractions. And it was successful. I was able to, to listen to some meditations and to find that quiet comfort, you know, within my bed. And then with sunrise, the contractions started ramping up. And after about one hour of steady contractions, I thought, it's time to wake up my husband. It's time mm -hmm. to let him know that, that things might be started. So after observing me for a few minutes, he decided that we should call the midwife right there. And I definitely didn't think that I was ready because I had really only been in what I would consider active labor for an hour. But when our midwife came to my home, I was eight centimeters dilated and they were ready to fill up the birth pool and, and have me hop right in. So it was just peaceful and quiet. My midwife and her mm -hmm. team, they almost seemed like they were just working in synchrony in the background. There wasn't any coaching. There wasn't any, you know, like interruption to, to what I was experiencing and having my husband and I there, we did send our toddlers off to grandma's house so mm -hmm. that, that we could just have the house to ourselves. Yes. Um, but it was, it was amazing. I got in the birth tub and my water broke you know, probably 20 minutes after that. And then after about 20 minutes of pushing, I was able to deliver him and just have that same, you know, like the concoction of hormones that just make you feel so elated, mm -hmm. so happy, so grateful for your baby being born that immediately, you know, like any of those feelings of pain that come with pushing are gone. And just being able to, to snuggle him there in my own home and be tucked in our own bed you know, just minutes after I felt like a home birth really was the birth of my dreams. I felt like a queen and, and it is what made me want to help encourage women to create the environment that they want so that they really know that they're the leader of their birth. Yes. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I want to take a quick moment to hear about our partner, Needed, the leading women's health supplement brand recommended by nutritionally trained practitioners. 
Needed was founded by two incredible mamas who were navigating their fertility journey. They were shocked to realize that 97% of women take prenatal vitamins, yet 95% of us are nutrient deficient. Is that not eye-opening or what? Getting the right prenatal vitamin is super important. So how do we know which one's best? While most perinatal supplements include the bare minimum of the nutrients women and babies need, Needed has all of your needs covered from your prenatal vitamin to pregnancy-specific pre- and probiotic, immune lactation and nausea support, as well as supplements that help us with our protein needs, balancing our blood sugar, and postpartum healing. Needed's complete plan delivers unparalleled nourishment for every phase, whether you're thinking of conceiving, pregnant, postpartum, or deeper into your mommy years like me, these supplements are amazing. I take the collagen protein every single day and absolutely love it. Learn more about Needed's complete line of perinatal and women's health supplements at thisisneeded.com. Use code VBAC20 for 20% off. That is VBAC20 at thisisneeded.com. How many times, I wonder if we went through every web, every episode, I say I love it. I really do love it. <laughs> like I really, really do. It's just so amazing. And it connects with me so well because same thing, like I, after my second cesarean and um, I had learned more about doulas, like it just, it, the doula work just called to me. Like it was like, this is what I want to do. I want to help people know that they can have different experiences. And, you know, one of the, one of the hardest things I think during our pregnancy journey is the is the preparation and knowing what preparation to do there's so many things out there and you've prepared i'm sure differently each time especially because you're preparing for different scenarios like different locations and stuff but any tips that you would have for just birth prep in general and self-empowerment how to truly believe in your ability to do what you want to do and then create the environment to do that. With my first son, I prepared with hypno hypnobirthing. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. wanted to be able to find that meditative state so that I could, you know, move forward with an unmedicated birth. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the disservices that that co- the course instructor did for me was she said, we're not going to study cesareans because you're not going to have a C-section. You know, we don't need to start focusing on that because it won't be an option. And so looking back, I would advise women to actually get as educated as they can with the medical system and knowing Mm -hmm. about inductions, knowing about options for inducing labor, both natural and and medical options Mm -hmm. for induction. But I also think that one element that is most missing in the system is for our doctors or our providers to help us know that we have the power within us. We're not taught about the physiological process of birth. And so we don't understand that there are hormones within us and messages that our baby will signal to our body that it's time to start the process. Yeah. Right. And so knowing that our bodies are made to, to go through this, that everything is intended to stretch, you know, I think that we can eliminate a lot of the fear that we have sometimes if we only believe that we will be successful with an epidural or, you know, with a vacuum assistance, mm-hmm. just knowing that our bodies are made to, to birth our babies, whatever size they come, whatever date they choose to arrive, that our bodies have the answers within them. And I also think it's important to realize that the perception of pain is also internal. So one thing that I've been learning a lot about is that 
our body only feels pain because of the messages that our brain then starts to comprehend. And so if we start to feel a contraction and our brain's message is, this is wrong, this is bad, this has to stop immediately, all of a sudden we create an environment of tension and stress within us. And this is the opposite feeling that we need in order for our baby to you know, continue to dilate and for the baby to be born. And mm-hmm. so what I try to instruct women and families to focus on is that the contraction is the method in which our baby is going to continue to descend. And it's the correct feeling that we should be having at the time. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's absolutely pain-free, but understanding that the waves are the only way for our uterus to, to contract and to expel the baby, then will give us power inside um, we also have, you know, different pain blocking receptors within our body. And so as our contractions rise with each, you know, stage of labor, as they mm-hmm. start to get more intense through transition, and then as we start to feel that natural urge to push, we have also been experiencing, you know, like the counteracting force within ourselves of being able to block that pain. And then when our baby is born, you know, like having the skin to skin time then just completely erases, you know, all of those feelings that we had. So knowing that our, our bodies are, you know, like perfectly designed to accommodate everything that we will experience gives us so much confidence that we can then proceed and, and just we are able to labor as long as it takes. We are able to continue to breathe and And one thing I like to think about as I'm experiencing a contraction, and one of the reasons I actually think that my third labor was so much faster was because every time I had a contraction, I would try to breathe as if I was allowing his head to like push into my toes. Mm. So I wasn't pushing, right? Like you're not supposed to push until you feel the urge to push. But I I was allowing myself to think open thoughts so that my body could open and and be in that state for cervical change, mm-hmm. but I was also trying to focus on the down and out of the baby being born. And when we have a contraction and we're not grounded, we're not prepared for the feelings that, you know, those really strong sensations, mm-hmm. it's a lot harder for our bodies to then continue to progress in a way that is unhindered and allows us to feel safe and secure and that everything is a correct sens- sensation. In both of my vaginal deliveries, I actually did not feel like transition was a stage of of torment or of suffering for myself. I know a lot of women say that they can start to feel when they're in transition. Yeah. For me, that always came in the pushing element. When I felt that pressure, that's when I decided I really need to get grounded here because this is happening. And so for my third birth, I knew that the more that I can focus and feel what's happening inside of me and utilize those feelings to help push the baby, the sooner that that I can come through this situation, right? Mm. Like sometimes people talk about a hard scenario and they say the only way out is through. And that's another thing for labor where mm. you have to go through all of those feelings. Yeah. And those feelings can be really intimidating, right? Really intimidating. And so through our prep, prepare for those feelings, prepare for the way to change up your breath, because there are those moments sometimes where it's like, 
don't know if I could do this. And our shoulders raise and our face tenses. And it's like, we can breathe through that. I mean, breath is so incredibly powerful, so powerful. But if we can breathe through that, it can really, truly help just, just our breath alone. And then like you were saying, our mind, you know, how it relates to pain, if we can change our mindset, I mean, this is totally not birth related, but I'm really big into like cold, like cold water therapy, like, like Wim Hof and all the things, right? My husband and I converted our deep freezer into a cold plunge in our backyard. And I will tell you when I am in that, I mean, it's freezing, right? (laughs) At 40 degrees, it's really cold. But when my mind connects to it is cold, it is cold, it is cold, my whole body just trembles and I'm freezing and just try to, you know, I'm telling myself like so freezing, just, you know, I'm trying to like work through it, but I can't, I just, I'm shaking. And then when I breathe and I'm like, okay, calm down, you're okay. You're right here. You're strong. And I start like coming with like out of that space of, of fear and exactly what's happening. If that makes sense. Like I'm telling myself I'm freezing, which I am cold. I can't, I mean, I am cold, but I'm also okay. And I'm also going to get through this. And, and it's a crazy, it's crazy. I just had, I just did it with some friends and they witnessed it and they were like, wow, that's, that's crazy. And I audibly, like, I have to say it out loud. I, I can't even just do it internally. And they're like, wow, that is really cool. And it's the same with labor and and birth and all of these things. It's knowing that you are exactly where you need to be is what then will give your body confidence to, you know, to do Mm -hmm. what it needs to do. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's why birth affirmations can be so positive because as we speak out loud, our brain believes what we say, right? So if you are in labor and you are saying, I can't, I'm in pain, make it stop, right? All of a sudden our entire body starts to feel that tension and starts to feel Mm -hmm. that panic. But if we can use affirmations to say, you know, like, I am safe, I am secure, I am strong, you know, saying these things will then solidify to our bodies that that is how we feel. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to talk about, we kind of sort of started talking about like changing plans and things like that. You know, if we have a birth that goes, is going another way. And maybe undesired, maybe a cesarean or a repeat cesarean, or maybe we're at home and we're transferring to the hospital, or we wanted to go on medicated and now we're getting an epidural. I want to talk about that word failure, right? And how impactful that word can be and how we have to offer ourselves grace. So do you have anything to say to that? Absolutely. I think the first thing to do is to understand, you know, a lot of people when when you share a birth story that didn't have an outcome of your desire, Mm. they'll say, you know, well, at least there's a healthy baby. At least there's a healthy mom. And while those things are most important and, and unfortunately, you know, like the opposite can happen in birth, it's devastating, Mm -hmm. but we also have to know that, that our mindset can control how we feel about an experience. So just as I shared that I had made peace knowing Mm -hmm. that, a transfer to the hospital would not equal that I am a failure knowing that, you know, like that you have done everything that's within your power to achieve your main goal mm-hmm. will help you then to feel like you've had the, the most beautiful birth. And sometimes I think it's more about just knowing that you're respected, knowing that your wishes were granted during your birth, that you had a birth partner or a support team 
that mm-hmm. listened to you, that made you feel yes. like the goddess that you are in birth. And you know, heard. And heard. Sometimes what we want is we want that epidural or we want that induction. And we have reasons within ourselves knowing why we want the birth that we want. And when we when we can, you know, like create an environment around ourselves that then fosters that, you know, that's when our birth feels like it's unstoppable. Mm-hmm. That's when we know that we have achieved everything that we set out to do. Um, and I think one important way to prepare in that regard is to do what I call like a fear release. So when we're thinking about all of the options that mm-hmm. can go wrong, we tend to stop that thought immediately because we don't want to think about a worst case scenario. We don't want to, you know, fill our mind or our body with that negativity. But if we can approach it before it happens and we can actually say, what is my plan? You know, like if my water breaks before my labor has started, what is my plan? If dilation isn't happening at a good rate, what are my options? Can I get a fully bulb? You know, like is Cervidil an option? you know, yeah. while I am laboring and we can actually walk down the path of each of our fears, we will start to see that that we have the same amount of knowledge essentially that our providers have in what paths would be available. And for me, just, you know, like writing everything down, every single thing that I would feel prior to birth, if I was feeling frustrated, if I was feeling scared, if I was feeling you know, nervous about adding another child. How am I going to take care of mm-hmm. all of their needs? You know, all of those things are real and and can feel overwhelming. You know, and if Absolutely. we don't have the support externally, then we have to find where we stand within ourselves. You know, labor, it's an event of the mind, the body, and the soul. Yep. And we have to make sure that that we are preparing in each of those elements so that we can then know at the end of the day that we are true to ourselves and that we have listened to the promptings that come and that we follow what what makes us feel like we are driving the car that will get us you know to the destination of our baby's birth yes so in saying that you know we have to act on the promptings that we feel and sometimes it may be something different than what's being suggested. And, you know, for for a long time in birth, I didn't realize that I could say no or could say, I would like to do this or talk to me about this and have that discussion, that active conversation about what I was feeling, right? Like with my second C-section, I didn't want to go down to the OR. I didn't want to have another repeat cesarean. And I didn't feel like I could say much more than, okay, let's go, you know? And so I want to talk about that as, you know, we have these feelings and then how do we act on them? Obviously supporting, uh, finding that supportive provider and having that supportive team. But then like, how do we find the courage within ourselves to say, hold on, I hear you. I hear what you're saying, but I would like to talk about this, or my heart is telling me this. Can we talk about that? I think the first step that we take is knowing our rights. So just like you said, if we have a provider that is suggesting, you know, maybe it's an intervention, maybe it's, 
you know, like a position that doesn't feel comfortable to our bodies, we have to know that we are allowed to say no. And that when informed consent is a part of our birth plan, and that we can always ask them, what are the options? Right? So like if someone comes in and says, your labor hasn't progressed for four hours, you know, like you don't have any more dilation, it's time for Pitocin, we can say, what are my options? What might happen if I do not choose to have Pitocin at this time? Is it something that we can look into two hours from now? Mm -hmm. And because I have had, you know, a hospital birth that ended in a C-section and then my other two births outside of a hospital, I recognize that it's not always as easy as we might think if our providers are pushing back, (laughs) if they're pushing back, if they have a protocol that they have to follow based upon their hospital, you know, those are put in place to protect them as providers with liability and also to protect mothers and babies, right? Like Mm -hmm. no doctor would want to take a risk for a mother and a baby. But when we feel like the requests that we have should be honored and that we can ask those questions to then, you know, receive a response that we're able to then come together and work as a team, right? Like knowing that, that everybody who is there really does want the best for you and your baby, Mm -hmm. knowing that, you might offend someone by letting them know that, you know, hey, I don't want this to happen at this time, but that you have the right to do that. And that if needed, you can actually switch providers. You know, for me, that was a very scary and a very, before. <laughs> it was a stressful event, you know, to have to be finding someone. And I went to a few other obstetricians and they said, you're far too late. You know, you're, you're far too along, like far along in this pregnancy to be coming to me. And that's when I decided that, even if, you know, having a VBAC outside of the hospital presented an added element of risk because I w- might have to transfer to a hospital if something mm-hmm. went awry, yes. I knew that that was the route that I needed to take in order to achieve what I felt like was my right to attempt a VBAC. And I love mm-hmm. the work that you're doing because so many women, as they are deciding if they should have a C-section or if they can try for a VBAC, there are roadblocks that are in our way and and almost you know like i don't want to say all the time but a lot of the times our providers are you know they they want the very best for us but some mm-hmm. of their suggestions might not be what helps us achieve a VBAC. so one example i can think about is an early induction mm-hmm. right like we know that the highest chance for a VBAC is for spontaneous vaginal delivery to occur And yet we're also under pressure for our babies to be delivered by 40 weeks. And just 39 even sometimes. Or 39. And just as a woman's menstrual cycle is not always, you know, a five-day event, or our cycles aren't always the same amount of days. Yeah. Exactly. That unless maybe you knew exactly the date you conceived, or if you had IVF and so you knew exactly when your egg was implanted. It's very hard to know if that 40-week date is accurate. Both of my VBAC babies were born at 40 weeks and three days. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's interesting because I think maybe, you know, maybe my body is regulated enough that that is just when my babies are are developed, you know? And Mm -hmm. so knowing that, that if a provider is telling us, you know, you have to have your baby by 40 weeks, we can say, what are my options if I choose, Mm -hmm. you know, can I take a non-stress test 
after the 40 week mark to yeah. find out how my amniotic fluid is doing to make sure my baby is healthy and strong. Yeah. And if you do find that there are complications, then there's no, you know, regret when you right. have the induction at that time yep. or when you seek medical assistance or when you elect to have that repeat cesarean because yeah. you knew that that your wishes were honored and that you you know that you were able to to be just like an active participant one. of your birth and act being an active participant of your birth it's so important and and like she said like if you choose an elective cesarean that's okay that's because you were a part of that decision making you know or if you choose to be induced or if you choose to keep going or whatever it may be you know being an active participant in your birth can truly impact the way you reflect in your postpartum experience which last but not least i would love to talk about the postpartum too because i think we both would agree that a lot of the times and i i don't want to say this with everybody preparing to give birth but i i feel like it's very much so in the vbac world we are so focused on how to get a vbac a vaginal birth after cesarean and how to have this end result that we forget about what comes after the birth, whether it's a vaginal or a cesarean. We're so focused on how to get this birth and this outcome that we forget what happens in that last period. So Exactly. And because our bodies know how to birth a baby without the knowledge that we possess, right? So even mm -hmm. after we gain all of this knowledge, it really is our body's job and our baby's job to be born. Yeah, but yeah. the postpartum period, it then falls all the way back on the families. And so if you're not prepared, if you don't understand, you know, like what will be happening physically within your body, how long it takes to heal, you know, like you could find yourself just underwater at that time and your baby requires food every few hours. So if you're mm -hmm. attempting breastfeeding and you're having tr struggles with breastfeeding, all of a sudden yeah. it just feels like, you know, that the postpartum period is harder than the birth mm -hmm. for a lot of women. And so we have a separate course for the postpartum period. We call it the fourth trimester. And in it, we just dive deep into, you know, sleep, both for parents and for infants. Yes. We talk about breastfeeding or feeding your baby if you elect formula. You know, we go into postpartum depression and anxiety and really just try to help women understand that the time to prepare for the postpartum period is during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And it's not just the 38th week of pregnancy, right? Mm -hmm. Because you, your baby might come at that time. I remember yep. with our first son, my hospital bag wasn't even packed when my water broke. You yep. know, because it was in that 38th week and I thought I still had a few more to go. Like everybody said that first Same. time moms always go overdue. Yeah. You know, and so even knowing that the La Leche League offers free consults over the phone at any time of the night or day, knowing That's that amazing. alone is just a resource that we can use. And, and I have to tell you for my third birth, I thought, okay, we will just have this set, you know, like everything's going to go swimmingly. And my little baby boy just was not latching correctly, which yeah. causes so much pain as you're trying to nurse. But it also caused, um, you know, one, one of my breasts to be engorged in a way that he wasn't extracting the milk, but I was still experiencing those letdowns. Mm -hmm. And so after a few days of just struggling, 
you know, and I had met with the hospital lactation consultant and, and feeling like I don't have the resources I need. I met with, with women from the La Leche League multiple times. And finally, one of the pieces of advice that, that she gave us was the turning point for my son. Mm. So she mentioned that when you sit down to feed your baby, you're not going to think of it as a feeding session. You are going to try latching. And she actually gave me a number. She said, I want you to try 20 times to latch. And I thought that is way more than I've been trying. Like I usually start to feel defeated after like the fifth or sixth time of, you know, trying to to get this all to work. Mm -hmm. But then she said, your baby might be angry. They might be hungry. So then feed them an ounce of milk, you know, from the Mm -hmm. bottle or spoon feed, however you want to feed them. Mm-hmm. And then try 20 times on the other side. And I cannot tell you what a difference this made, knowing that I was going to sit down and try 40 times to latch my baby. And after the eighth attempt, he latched. And we Yay. never had problems again. That it's all, all that it took was for me to change my mindset as far as what I expected. Right. And so yeah. even though I was an experienced mom, I had breastfed before, my little baby is just learning this for the first time. His yeah. mouth is small, you know, like he has the the reflexes to suck, but he needs to be trained mm-hmm. just as much as I do. And we had to come together and work through that. And I don't think that I could have made it happen without the support of the La Leche yeah. League. And just yeah. knowing because a lot of times I think there's always excuses, right? When we're in the postpartum period where we're tired or we don't have a store that's open, you know, like if we need yeah. something and Walmart is closed at 11 o'clock and all of a sudden you're having a fight with your partner in the middle of the night, you know, because you're not prepared. Yeah. And so the, knowing just the amount of supplies that you're going to need mm-hmm. and how long you're going to bleed after birth, all of these little details can be really overwhelming. And thank heavens that we have more people talking about it. We have yeah. companies that are responding to these needs. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that we have more individuals offering support at this time where they say, oh, I'm just going to buy you, you know, that gift basket yeah. that has all of the support that you'll need. You know, having a friend that can bring over, you know, their, their old nursing bras that they're not using anymore so that you're mm-hmm. just ready to go with the supplies you need you know, that can make your postpartum period feel like you are off to a great start. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there was something that you had mentioned too that, and this goes really for birth, but like, we were like, I, we had never had problems before. Nurse my other babies was fine. Like this baby's brand new and new experience. And that goes with all things in life, right? Just the like birth and postpartum and just because we birthed this way or this is how our birth went or this is how our breastfeeding journey went or this is how my postpartum went doesn't always mean that we shouldn't prepare for the next baby and the next birth and the next postpartum because it doesn't always doesn't always go exactly the same and so and then also remember that these babies they yes is it instinctual yes like they know where to get milk but like again that mouths are different like Everything is different. And so it can change and having patience and, you know, getting to that spot where you're going to nurse your nursing station and taking a deep breath in, taking a deep breath out and trying 40 times, you know, and really trying and not letting number three get so infuriating because your baby's going to feel that too. 
your baby's going to feel that stress, right? And it's the same thing in birth where if we have someone bringing in some stressful feelings, we're going to all react to that, like our bodies react. And so remembering to find your breath, find what you need to do and having the patience to walk through that. And the reason we named our company Birth Made Mindful was because the word mindful in and of itself just means that you are taking in everything around you and you are, you know, allowing yourself to feel without judgment what is happening. And, and it's the hardest thing, whether you are in birth, whether you're having a challenging experience as a mother, just knowing that, that you have enough time to pause you have enough time, you know, to think and to really find out what answer feels right to you. You know, what is your heart telling you? What is your mind telling you? Can those two things come together in a way that then you can make a decision that mm-hmm. will empower you? Um, I've been writing the book for for our company, Birth Made Mindful, and it has just been an amazing process of of going even a level deeper, you know, than just a digital course mm-hmm. to explain to women that they have the strength within that each of us, we are powerful. We are champions. I love the phrase birth warrior, but mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to feel like they have to like have their sword and their shield as they go into yeah. birth, right? We want, we want it to be more of a collective feeling where all of us are working together so that we mm-hmm. can have an experience that will then launch us into motherhood or maybe yes. it's our second child. So launching us into having multiple children in a way that really, you know, it gives us vibrancy. It gives us energy. Yes. It gives us meaning in motherhood and and the support that, that we know that we can do it. And it, it really does come from having an understanding of where we are at inside mm-hmm. and and allowing anything that doesn't feel congruent that we can work through those things mm-hmm. and we can then find out where our true passions lie you know and and making sure that that we honor ourselves and honor our you know our desires our intuition oh well tell everybody where they can find more about your courses and your blogs and hopefully soon your book. Yes. So we are at um, birthmademindful.com and most of our social media handles are at made mindful. That way we can cover motherhood made mindful as Uh well as we continue to grow our course offerings and continue to, you know, try to help our community just find joy in birth and motherhood. And that is our mission to, have every family feel like they are armed with knowledge, that they have all of the support that they need to take on, you know, the most important event of their lives. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit more about your, your other birth story and sharing these tips for the listeners. It really is so important to prepare our mind, our body, and our soul for all the experiences. And obviously we know things happen sometimes and they're going to be unexpected things that come, but even through preparing and being in that space and taking that time to say, wait, what is happening? Like just processing it 
in the moment, like ha- having the question be asked can help you as well for after. And then I love that you talked about doing the fear release. We talk about free release too. And sometimes we don't realize that we have traumas because it maybe wasn't super traumatic. Like we don't look at it as a super traumatic experience. But then as we walk through our, our births and things, we realize, oh, that might be a traumatic thing. I need to process that's a fear or maybe it's not traumatic, but it's a fear of mine. It's enough to hang me up. So it's important to walk through these these situations as well. And um, I think it's awesome that you offer the two courses and that I postpartum. I mean, obviously I love VBAC and I love the prep, but there's so much to postpartum that is just forgotten about. So I think it's really important that we talk more about that. So thank you so much. Absolutely. And we want your listeners to to get a discount when they come and buy our courses. So if they enter VBAC link into any of our courses, then they'll get, they'll get 30% off of both of those courses if they want to come check it out. And, and we just hope to continue to, you know, provide education and knowledge and support to, to families, you know, like, like I said, birth is a transformative event. You know, it's Mm -hmm. the day that your baby is born, but it's also the day that a mother is born and in this day and age, we need, you know, all of the help that we can get. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Interested in sharing your VBAC story on the podcast? Submit your story at the vbacklink.com slash share. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.